All right, we are continuing today in our Kingdom Came series. And it's, it's a great and clever name that Angie came up with rather than Kingdom Come, right? Because we are not begging the kingdom to come. It's already came, right? Yes? Yes. Yes. And so in that today, we're going to be talking about uh, parables uh, from Matthew 13. And it's it's important because uh, because we need to know what the kingdom looks like. You know, we need to know how it operates. And so these parables, these uh, they show us, you know, what we can compare the kingdom to, how we can illustrate it, you know, how it operates. Uh, we also get some principles that that guide the kingdom. You know, things like multiplication, generosity, abundance. You're going to see all these things in these parables. You can also uh, understand what to expect from the king, right? Because that, that's we need to know that too, right? Yes? All right. So here's the main point um, that we're going to be talking about today, what I really want you to, to be looking at and, and what's being offered up for your discovery this week. And that is, through all these parables, there is a response that is required. Right? And that's what I want you to be looking at this week as you uh, in- engage these things and-, and talk to Holy Spirit about it. Right? There is a response that's required. And in these parables, Jesus says, if you understand, then you need to respond. Yeah. Right? And so if you understand that there is an action that needs to be taken, you need to respond and take that action. Right? If you understand that there is something you need to be listening to, you need to incline your ear and listen. If he's trying to show you something, you need to open your eyes and see. Look and see. So in all these parables, there is a response that is required. Proverbs 25, 2 says, God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. But the honor of kings is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. Or you'll hear it in other ways in other translations. Uh, it's, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search it out, to search out that matter. You're going to hear us say that verse over and over and over again. Because we're not going to stand up here and tell you what to think. We want you to understand how to think. We want you to discover things on your own. And we're going to keep saying it over and over and over again. It's something we always need to be keeping in mind. Because nobody's going to stand up here with this microphone and tell you what to think. If they do, we'll stop them. Right? There's a difference. Um, let me back up a second. What we really want from, for all of you is discipleship. Throughout the week, we want you to be pursuing Jesus. We want you to be pursuing what it is that he has for you, what it is that he's telling you, right? And and that's discipleship. Some people like to call it apprenticeship, but there's a difference. In an apprenticeship, you show up for work, you learn from whoever it is teaching you, whatever skill it is, and then you go home. And discipleship is more of a relationship. It is where you're actually doing things on a more regular basis. It's more like doing life with someone, right? It's not just something that you're just showing up and learning and then going about your way. There's more of a relationship there. That's what we want for you. We want discipleship for you. We want you pursuing Jesus. We don't want you pursuing whoever is standing up here with the microphone. That's why we want you to learn how to think. That's why we want you to be engaging with this stuff and going out and discovering things, right? Kings, go out and search out the matter. Yes? Okay. Response required. Matthew eleven twelve says, from the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power. This is, this is a, a verse that I wanted to, to bring up. Uh, it's in other translations, it says the, the violent take it by force, right? And 
passion can often be mistaken for violence, right? Because passion can look violent at times. And so that's why I love the way the Passion Translation says this, is the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power. Right? John 1.6 says, uh, it says, suddenly a, a man appeared, a messenger from God whose name was John. Right? So from that moment, from that moment that John stepped on, on scene, the realm of heaven's kingdom was bursting forth. And passionate people have taken hold of its power. So passionate kings right now, you need to be searching out the matter. Right? Yes? Come on. Stay awake with me today. All right. Matthew eleven nineteen says, Yet when the Son of Man came and went to feasts and drank wine, you said, Look at this man. He is nothing but a glutton and drunkard. He spends all his time with tax collectors and other sinners. All right, listen up to this last part, kings, here. But God's wisdom will become visible by those who embrace it. His wisdom becomes visible by those who embrace it. You're embracing it when you search out a matter. This is an important thing. This is, this is the heart behind the changes we've made for Sunday mornings. The reason why we're doing these workshop discussions every other week. Because we want to know what it is that you're thinking. We want to know what it is that you feel, what you see the ideas that you have, those all need to be offered up. So again, we don't want to stand up here and tell you what to think. We want you to be able to think on your own. That's, that's what we desire, is to know, for you to know how to think. So I want you to be thinking right now, because I'm going to want a response here. I'm going to want a one-sentence response to this question. Not... It doesn't have to be everybody, but I want to hear some people. I want to hear your voices, okay? Why is it important to know what the kingdom looks like and how it operates? One sentence. Anybody? Anybody want to talk? Come on. Response required. One sentence. I will say the question again. Why is it important to know what the kingdom looks like, and how it operates. Why is that important? Mm -hmm. Yeah, how do you recognize it if you don't know what it looks like? Yes, and how to operate in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Once you know what it looks like, you're going to get a little bit of the mechanics of it. Yes. Absolutely. I'll tell you what I think in a minute, but I want to hear what you think first. I don't want you influenced by, you know, somebody with a microphone. So you know what it looks like when you're no longer in it, okay? Anyone else? All right. Here's my thought on it. So you know what it is that you're carrying because we are vessels that carry the kingdom. And so we can release truth. That's what I think, right? And when I say release truth, the truth of how loving and good our Father is. How loving and good our Father is. This is an important thing to remember when we start reading these parables. When we start looking at these, you have to remember how good God is because you will be challenged when you read some of these things, it will challenge you to think about how good God is. And you're a carrier of the kingdom. This is something we don't, we're not begging for the kingdom to come anymore, right? We don't, we don't do that because Jesus already came. He brought the kingdom to us. You being wrapped up in union with him, you're in the kingdom. But at the same time, you have the kingdom inside of you. And you get to release that. Each of you have been given unique gifts that you get to release as part of the kingdom. 
you are a carrier of the kingdom. You are a carrier also of the goodness of God. Does anybody not believe that? You can be honest. Okay, good. You're also a carrier of truth. Right? You are a carrier of truth. You are a carrier of Jesus. All right. Let's get into Matthew 13. Does everybody have their Bibles? If you have your Bible, get it out and turn to Matthew 13. If you don't, get your phone out. Pull up your Bible app. Turn to Matthew 13. All right, we're going to start at the very beginning here. Verse 1. Later that day, Jesus left the house and sat by the lake shore to teach the people. Soon there were so many people surrounding him that he had to teach sitting in a boat while the large crowd stood on the shore. He taught them many things by using stories, parables that would illustrate spiritual truths. Consider this. There was a farmer who went out to sow seeds. As he cast his seeds, some fell along the beaten path, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell onto gravel that had no topsoil. The seeds quickly shot up, but when the days grew hot, the sprouts were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns and weeds. So when the seeds sprouted, so did the weeds, crowding out the good plants. But other seeds fell on good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Some yielded 30, some 60, and some even 100 times as much as he planted. If you're able to understand this, then you need to respond. So Jesus didn't just share kingdom revelation for the sake of filling people's heads with, with knowledge. That wasn't the point of what he was trying to do here, right? There was a response that was required. He wanted to move them to action. We're going to offer up a lot of questions for you guys. Throughout all these series and leading into workshops, we're going to give you a lot more questions than we give you answers. Because we don't want to give you answers. It's not our place to give you all the answers. That's Holy Spirit's job. And one of the first questions that came up for me when I was preparing for this is, is what is the response that is required of me? What's the response that's required of you? More importantly, what are you responding to? What voices is it that you're listening to that you are responding to? Because we're all responding to something. Right? I've noticed in, in really going through this and engaging throughout the last couple of weeks, one of the things that I've noticed for me is that I'm responding a lot to just noise. Like sitting in quiet can be difficult. I get, I get kind of bored easily. But what I've, what I've discovered is this is a good space for me to discover, wonder, engage with Holy Spirit. And it turns out to be a lot more uh, fruitful or productive. That's a word I love. I love productive. Productivity is a thing I'm just into. Um, but I have, to, I have to take the time to stop all the other voices, podcasts, YouTube, whatever it is, right? So how many voices do you have that you're responding to? Yeah, social media, that's another one. How many of those voices are you responding to? How many of them are there that are taking up your time? So what's the response that's required of you? And what voices are you responding to? All right, let's go on here. Verse 10. Then his disciples approached Jesus and asked, Why do you always speak to people in these hard-to-understand parables? He explained, You've been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom but they have not. 
For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. It's abundance right there. I told you you're going to see it. You got to look for these things, though. You got to be open to discovery and be searching it out. Right? Revelation, understanding, wisdom. You're going to have more than enough. But you got to listen with an open heart. That's the response that's required here. Listening with an open heart. He goes on, but those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding they think they have will be taken from them. So how we think, uh, we are in so incredibly intelligent uh, with our great insight and understanding into all things in the cosmos, uh, you know, but we, we really know very little. We, we see these great scientific discoveries, putting out these new uh, satellites that are going to look deeper into space. So we think we know more. We, we tout our, our superiority of intelligence and all these great and wonderful things. And while they are great and they are uh, incredible, we still don't know as much as we think we do when we rely solely on that. When we rely solely on uh, the voice of man and his wisdom in science to give us answers without consulting Holy Spirit. The understanding that we think we have will be taken from us. Verse 13, that's why I teach the people using parables, because they think they're looking for truth. Yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message I speak. It says, therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And that's from another translation there. And, and this, is, this made me think of, and some of you younger kids, you're going to have to uh, ask your parents to show you this. Back in the 90s, there was these 3D pictures, and you would see like pretty much one color, a bunch of lines, different things. And if you stared at it and kind of squinted funny, there was a 3D picture that would pop out. Anybody remember these? Yeah? Okay. You would have to really look to be able to see, right? And a lot of people just, well, they look, but they don't see. Right? And that's, that's kind of what it reminds me of here. You would have to look very closely. And you got to be willing to maybe look at things from a different angle to see the hidden picture. You have to take the time to discover it. And in hearing, you know, I, for me, noisy rooms, I can't understand things. Somebody will say something and I'll hear something completely different. And this just happened the other day. I was sitting in the kitchen or sitting at the table in the dining room. Tiffany was in the kitchen. Abigail was in the other room. Tiffany said something. Abigail and I both heard something completely different that she didn't say. And it was noisy in there. We were listening, but we weren't hearing what she was saying. We totally missed what it was that she actually said. And that's what's going on here. They think they're looking for truth, yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message I speak. Jesus goes on in verse 14, the prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing. And they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me and let me instantly heal them. That's incredible. 
Isaiah's prophecy of these people pretending to see and deliberately shutting their eyes to truth, having plugged ears so they're not hearing. Long before Jesus came around. But that's exactly what was happening. And it's still happening today. Because we'll come on Sunday mornings, we'll hear a feel-good message, and we'll take that in for a moment, walk out the doors, and it just kind of magically stays there. There's no discovery throughout the week. There's no deepening of relationship with Jesus. We just let it go. We shut our eyes. We close our ears. Can't do that anymore. You got to lean into discipleship. He goes on in verse 16, but your eyes are privileged for they see. Delighted are your ears, for they are open to hear all these things. Many prophets and godly people in times past yearned to see these days of miracles that you've been favored to see. They would have given everything to hear the revelation you've been favored to hear. Yet they didn't get to see as much as a glimpse or hear even a whisper. Again, there's more questions here for me. And this is Jesus talking to the disciples, but on this side of the cross, on this side of the resurrection, you got to ask yourself, have you been favored to see miracles? Hello? Is this thing on? Have you been favored to see miracles? Yes. Have you been favored to hear revelation? Yes. Yes, your eyes are privileged. Your ears are delighted because they're open to hear all things from God, right? Come on, get excited for this. You're privileged. And if you don't believe this, it's probably because you're not looking through the right eyes. If you don't believe it, you, you must be just looking and hearing with natural eyes and ears. And you need to open your spiritual eyes and ears, right? Hmm. This is, you're awfully quiet this morning, all of you. <laughs> Using your spiritual eyes and ears is an extremely important thing to be doing each and every day. When you're searching out a matter, it's important. When you look at another human, it's important. If you're not taking time to open up your spiritual eyes and ears, you need to be. You absolutely have to be because when you look at another person, it's, not, it's never more important in those moments where things are difficult, there's something going on, that's, that's causing conflict or something to come up inside of you that makes you feel anger, frustration. It's never more important than in those moments to be able to use your spiritual eyes and ears. Who is it that God sees when he looks at them? What is it he's saying about them? Your ears are delighted because you hear all things from God and your eyes are privileged. Verse 18. Now you are ready to listen to the revelation of the parable of the sower and his seeds. The seed that fell on the beaten path represents the heart of the one who hears the message of the kingdom realm, but doesn't understand it. The adversary then comes and snatches away what was sown into his heart. There was no understanding there. Right? He didn't understand the message. The one where the seed fell on the beaten path represents the heart of the one who hears the message of the kingdom realm, 
but doesn't understand it. There's a response required here. If you don't understand something, what do you got to do? Investigate, right? Search out the matter. How often does that happen to you? You have no understanding of something, and that leads to immediate avoidance of the subject. Anybody else? Just me? Oh, okay. I'll be the only one with my hand raised. It's cool. It's difficult sometimes. Sometimes when something new is presented to us and we don't understand it immediately, we'll avoid it because it's more difficult to lean into that thing and try to understand, to try to gain some type of discovery with that. But you have to do that. You have to investigate. That's part of the response that's required here. Because if you don't, particularly when we're talking about kingdom matters, that revelation message can be snatched away from your heart, right? Verse 20, the seed sown on gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message, but his experience remains shallow. Gladly hears, but again, no response and doesn't engage. Gladly hears the message on a Sunday morning, walks out of here and doesn't engage it for the rest of the week or ever again. The, these people that gladly hear but won't engage, often they're unwilling to pay the cost of what it takes to be a disciple of Jesus. You hear us talk about it costs everything. Oftentimes the thing that, the, that we're not willing to pay, that price that we're not willing to pay is reputation. What it is that people think about us. When you make a stand for the kingdom, what are they going to say? What are they going to say about me when I'm not there? What are they going to think about me? You can gladly hear a message and not engage it. Verse 21, shortly after he hears it, troubles and, and persecutions come because of the kingdom message he received. And he quickly falls away for the truth didn't sink deeply into his heart. Those persecutions, giving up reputation, that's too much for, for most people. It's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate because giving up your reputation for the sake of the kingdom, it's not that big a deal because what you have to be focusing on and looking at, again, with spiritual eyes is what's coming. What's the promise that's out there for me? What is the promise that God has for me? Reputation is going to be part of that. It's going to be a big part of that. All right. The seed sown among weeds represents the person who receives the message, but all of life's busy distraction, his divided heart, and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message and preventing him from bearing spiritual fruit. Receives but doesn't put the kingdom first. Fails to seek first the kingdom. Rather, seeking first everything else. Again, it's one of those difficult things, right? You walk out of here, get busy, start looking at other things, start focusing on anything else but seeking the kingdom and completely forgetting about it. Missing little opportunities to engage Holy Spirit. Missing the little opportunities where God's showing up and moving on your behalf, putting his goodness on display. We have to be looking for those things. We can't let busy distractions drown those opportunities out. Verse 23, as for the seed that fell upon good rich soil, it represents the hearts of people who hear and fully embrace the message of heaven's kingdom realm. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield the harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as was sown. 
these people. Read it again. Okay, as for the seed that fell upon good, rich soil, it represents the hearts of people who hear and fully embrace the message of heaven's kingdom realm. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as was sown. They heard, they heard the message. They explore it. They embrace it. There's engagement there. And they're willing to pay the cost. And there's a yield there. All right? Let's go on verse 24. Then Jesus taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But at night when everyone was asleep, an enemy came and planted poisonous weeds among the wheat and ran away. When the wheat sprouted and bore grain, the weeds also appeared. So the farmer's hired hands came to him and said, Sir, wasn't the good seed that you sowed in the field? Where did all these weeds come from? He answered, This has to be the work of an enemy. They replied, Do you want us to go and gather up all the weeds? No, he said, If you pull out the weeds, you might uproot the wheat and at the same time. You must allow them both to grow together until the time of harvest. At that time, I'll tell my harvesters to make sure they gather the weeds first and tie them all in bundles to be burned. Then they will harvest the wheat and put it into my barn. Now we're going to talk more about this in just a minute in one of the other parables because it's going to challenge some of your thinking. Let's continue on verse 31. Then Jesus taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to the tiny mustard seed that a man takes and plants in his field. Although the smallest of all the seeds, it eventually grows into the greatest of garden plants, becoming a tree for birds to come and build their nests in its branches. Then he taught them another parable. Heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to yeast that a woman takes and blends into three measures of flour and then waits until the dough rises. Everything starts small, right? Including the kingdom. And the influence that the kingdom has eventually becomes enormous. When you're looking at mustard seeds, they're very, very tiny. But if you ever look at a picture of what that grows into, it's enormous. It's absolutely enormous. And this, the three measures of flour here, uh, in the footnotes in the Passion Translation, it talks about, uh, this was nearly 22 kilos. So... 22 kilos is almost 50 pounds of dough. That's a lot, right? That's a lot. So everything starts small, and then it grows. You know, there's, there's, you can walk back the story of unedited life a lot of years through Angie's story that she shared. Right? It started small, engaging Holy Spirit, starting to exercise prophetic giftings, Go pick up that stick. Small beginnings. Right? We can walk that back from there and look at where we're going now. There's a lot of big things happening here. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. It's another, another one of these things we're talking about. When you go out each week, you start to discover and uncover and be given revelation and wisdom. It's an incredible thing. You cannot despise small beginnings. The kingdom starts small, right? Through patience and persistence, you get to watch it grow. You get to watch the influence that it has become enormous. You got to keep responding, though. You have to stay engaged. 
Verse 34, whenever Jesus addressed the crowds, he always spoke in allegories. He never spoke without using parables. He did this in order to fulfill the prophecy. I will speak to you in allegories. I will reveal secrets that have been concealed since before the foundation of the world. Okay. Catch that? Anybody else? Just Angie? He did this in order to fulfill the prophecy. I will speak to you in allegories. I will reveal secrets that have been concealed since before the foundation of the world. Nobody else, just me. Okay. I have this compulsive desire to pour over these things when I hear this. He's offering up in these parables secrets that have been hidden since before the foundation of the world. When it was the Father and Son face to face, wrapped up in Holy Spirit, deciding what this was all going to look like and everything that was going to happen, right? There's secrets in there that are being revealed. I mean, I'm just, I am, I am in awe at this point. This is why we're telling you when you leave here, go on a search, discover things, uncover them, Start looking at these different things because if you catch stuff like this, you're going to want to go back and read all of this again to see what else it is that he has for you. Because I guarantee you, each one of you could go back and read this again and pull out something specifically for you. Yeah, I can make that guarantee. I mean, really, for me, the only response from this one is reverent worship. Just that wow. Yes. Just like that. Wow. Look at what you've created for and brought me into. Right. Thank you, Jesus, for that. He's amazing. I get so thankful for, for what it is that He's growing in me when I find these things, when I discover them. And the kingdom is growing inside of you with each encounter that you have. And the exciting part is, is then you get to release that onto people freely. Freely. But we get scared. Right? It's that whole reputation thing again. What are people going to say? What are they going to think about me? If I share this kingdom revelation, what's going to happen? Giving up your reputation is part of the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. But you can't forget that there's something better waiting for you in the promise. You have to possess a willingness to give up everything when you decide to be a disciple of Jesus. There has to be a willingness there. Sounds harsh, right? But do you trust your father? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Do you really trust his goodness? Do you actually believe that he has good things in store for you? I hope so. I mean, I didn't even see any head nods yes. Do you actually believe that he has good things in store for you? Of course, I don't want you to say yes if you don't actually believe it. I'd rather you be honest if you don't. Because if you shake your head yes and you don't actually believe it, you're shrinking back and hiding. Not being honest. Always got to be honest, right? Be real with God. If you think something's harsh, say it. 
have a word around here. Harsh. Remember, the kingdom is growing inside of you with each encounter. If you have a difficult conversation with God where you're not understanding something and you're discovering it and you think something's harsh and he's talking to you about it, the kingdom is growing inside of you even in that encounter. You get to release the kingdom freely on people. Matthew 10, 5 through 8 says, Jesus commissioned these 12 to go out into the ripened harvest fields with these instructions. Don't go into any non-Jewish or Samaritan territory. Go instead and find the lost sheep among the people of Israel. Today, it doesn't matter. You go everywhere. You search out the lost sheep of the world. And as you go preach this message, Heaven's kingdom realm is, ex- is accessible, close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick and make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. Kings, listen to this last part. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. Give up the reputation. Stop worrying about what people think. It doesn't matter. What matters is you freely received, so freely give. Do that, okay? God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory, but it's your honor, right? It is your honor. It is the honor of kings, is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. You have the opportunity each and every day to have secrets revealed to you. You have that privilege. You have the opportunity to have the secrets that have been revealed since before the foundations of the earth were laid, before the foundations of the cosmos were were formed. You get that opportunity every day. Hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe go go search out some things. Go search out some matters, yeah? No? Yes? Maybe? Okay. Yes. Yes, yes. Come on. All right, verse 36. Jesus left the crowds and went inside the house where he was staying. Then his disciples approached him and asked, please explain the deeper meaning of the parable of the weeds growing in the field of wheat. He answered, the man who sowed his field with good seed represents me, the son of man, and the field is the world. The good seeds I sow are the children of the kingdom realm. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest points to the end of this age. And the harvesters are God's messengers. As the weeds are bundled up and thrown into the fire, so it will be at the close of this age. The Son of Man will send his messengers and they will uproot everything out of his kingdom. All the lawless ones and everything that causes sin will be removed. And they will throw them into the fiery furnace where they will experience great sorrow, pain, and anguish. Then the godly ones will shine like the brightness of the sun in their father's kingdom realm. If you're able to understand this, then you'd better respond. This is a tough explanation to get through, uh, depending on the questions that you are willing to ask God. Is this gathering going to be in the spiritual or physical realm? It's one of the questions I have. Is it the first or the second heaven? If it is in the second heaven, does that mean they're gathering demons uh, that followed Lucifer in his rebellion? The children of the evil one. It is. It's a different look at it. 
you have to be willing to ask some, some questions that are coming at things from a different angle. Would our good father, if he really is good, banish the people he created to love, the people he created to be in relationship with, into an eternal punishment? What questions are you willing to ask God? Are you willing to ask him these things? You have to be. If he is willing to to banish the people that he created to love, the people he created to be in relationship with, if he really is banishing them to an eternal punishment, then you have to ask, then, then how good is he really? Right? Doesn't that, isn't that like a logical next question? You have to be willing to ask the hard questions. Have real conversations with him. What you get in insight and what you gain in revelation and wisdom is going to be far greater when you start asking real questions. Start listening for real answers. Start seeing what he's really trying to show you. You got to remember, we weren't created with sinful ways. That only came after we tried to go on our own understanding. Right? By eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree that we weren't supposed to eat of. We went after our own wisdom. So we think we know the answers. We think when we read this, that they'll be thrown into the fiery furnace where they will experience great sorrow, pain, and anguish. We think we know what that means. And we're willing to sit in judgment and cast people into that fate. I'm not giving you answers here. I'm offering up something for you to take and discover on your own. We were created to love and be in relationship with our Father. That's what we were created for. Yet we continue to eat of that tree and label people anything other than new creation. We do it all the time. We have to be looking through spiritual eyes and listening with spiritual ears. We have to stop eating of that tree. And this is part of releasing the kingdom. This is part of freely releasing what it is that pulls people into relationship. Hmm. You know you're releasing reconciliation, right? You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're going to jump over to John 20 real quick. Because in addition to having the ministry of reconciliation, you get to forgive sins. John 20, uh, verse 22. We're going to read 22 and 23. Then taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins. And people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. If you don't preach the forgiveness of sins, if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. If you don't forgive people of their sins, you don't offer forgiveness, Right? Not just like, oh, I forgive you for doing something to me. No. You're offering forgiveness for sins. If you don't do that, what are you doing? Yeah, you're holding them to something, right? 
You're sitting on a judgment seat at that point, condemning them to eternal punishment. And you don't even know if that's what God has for them. Right? We don't know that. You got to ask these questions. You got to be willing to ask the difficult questions. Exercise the honor that's been given you as kings to search out a matter. So I can't tell you how to interpret these things. But again, just only offering up some ideas here. I'm not going to tell you what to think. Nobody's going to stand up here and tell you what to think. Again, this is an opportunity for you to put on your crown and be a king and be honored by searching out the matter. It's your opportunity. You've been given a golden opportunity to search out a matter. If you're able to understand this, then you'd better respond, right? Guess what? If you don't understand, you'd better respond. No matter what, there needs to be a response of pressing into the Holy Spirit and looking for greater understanding. If you think you understand, do it anyways. You're going to get more. All right, where were we? Verse 44. Heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such a treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so he could have the treasure. Heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all he had in exchange for it. I love these two short parables because uh, they give us the same message. You know, there's, there's a response there. What I want to, to look at here is that we're not the ones searching out the treasure. What I want you to think about is that you're the treasure. And it's Jesus who is the one searching you out should kind of change the significance greatly as you read these. All right, Jesus discovered you. And upon finding you, he hid you again. Because uncovering you, he was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so he could have you. Jesus was in search of rare pearls, and when he discovered one very precious, exquisite pearl, you discovered you, he immediately gave up all that he had in exchange for it. You got to see how the Father views you, he views you as a great treasure, an exquisite pearl. The entirety of the kingdom views you that way. Spiritual eyes and ears, when we look at each other, see the treasure. See the exquisite pearl that each and every one of you are. Jesus immediately gave up all that he had in exchange for you. beginning of John 1 talks about the Father and Jesus face to face, wrapped up in Holy Spirit, discussing everything that was to come. And from the moment, the moment our Father said, let there be light, Jesus gave up everything for you. 
He gave up everything for you. That's part of what you have to release from the kingdom. Let's go on here in verse 47. Again, heaven's kingdom realm is like a fisherman who casts his large net into the lake, catching an assortment of different kinds of fish. When the net was filled, the fishermen hauled it up on the shore, and they all sat down to sort out their catch. They collected the good fish in baskets and threw the bad away. And so it will be at the close of the age. The messengers will come and separate the evil from among the godly and throw them into the fiery furnace, where they will experience great sorrow, pain, and anguish. Again, you have to be willing to ask the difficult questions. And you must be willing to hear answers that challenge some of your beliefs. Holy Spirit may slaughter some of your sacred cows. Some of those sacred cows that we've built doctrines on, that you've built doctrines on, that you've built your life on. Some people have built their life on the message of turn or burn. Is that really God's message? Is that really the message of the kingdom? You're going to have to go on a discovery hunt for the answers to that. Verse 51, now, do you understand all this? Yes, they replied. He responded, every scholar of the scriptures who is instructed in the ways of heaven's kingdom realm is like a wealthy homeowner with his house filled with treasures, both new and old. And he knows how and when to bring them out to show others. Right? You're a scholar of the scriptures as a king whose honor it is to search these matters out. You are ones that are being instructed in the ways of heaven's kingdom. That's you. When you're pulling out treasures of the kingdom, you need to know when it's appropriate to pull out old treasures and when it's time to introduce new treasures. And knowing the timing, it's more about protecting treasures, or it's not about protecting treasures. Right? It's about knowing when to present old insight and when to bring out new insight. It's not about protection. That's not our job. The main point I want you to take away from today and what I'm offering up for you for discovery this week is there is a response that is required. If you understand that there's action that needs to be taken, take action. If he's speaking to you, incline your ear and listen. He wants you to see something, open your spiritual eyes and look. Right? In all of these parables, there is a response that is required. Even in the parable of the mustard seed and the measures of flour, what's required there is patience and persistence. All right. I hope you all are ready to go out and discover something this week. With that in mind, got some questions for you. Some questions we're going to talk about next week, but I want you to be engaging Holy Spirit this week about these. The first one, how are you responding to the kingdom realm? We will get these out on social media also, but the first one, how are you responding to the kingdom realm? The second one, what does it look like for you to release the kingdom? What does it look like for you to release the kingdom? And the third one, do you really trust our Father's goodness? Why? Or why not? Do you really trust our Father's goodness?
you're actually getting into these stories, you're going you're gonna to want to ask this question. And each one of these, how are you responding? What does it look like for you? And do you really trust? I'm not trying to persuade anybody with your answers. You're offering, offering up what you discovered. The ideas that you have. We're not going to try to conclude anything in these conversations. This is a free exchange of ideas, right? Right. Everybody comes with something to share. Each of you have something to offer up to sharpen the rest of us. So engage this this week. All right. All right. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for each and every one of the people here today. And right now, I offer a blessing over each of you. That you would see the opportunities to engage Holy Spirit this week. That you would see the opportunities to celebrate the goodness of God and what he's doing in your lives. Lord, I thank you that you're still speaking to us. I just thank you that you're still offering up revelation and wisdom. I thank you that we have the opportunity to put our crowns on, be kings, and search out the matters that you've hidden. And I thank you that in our search, you are answering us, that you are revealing these secrets. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.